Hello and welcome to Peace, Love, and Robots, a podcast about anything and everything and all that's in between. I am your host, Jeremy, and this is episode number seven for October 21st, 2020. Yep, it's still 2020. We'll get through this together. Somehow, some way, we're going to be okay. And in about 10 weeks, we'll look back and say, thank God we made it. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the ads you hear at the beginning and the end of the show. So if you listen all the way through, I am forever in your debt. Now, I've been making and doing podcasting for about on and off for about 10 years, mostly off. Uh, But I'm trying to get better. Yeah, here's hoping this is the start of a beautiful thing, and I'm seven shows in now. That's nearly two months, and I'm pretty happy about that. You can't, you can't consistently have a habit until you do it for what is it, six weeks or eight weeks. So we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm right in the middle, at least. That being said, we're just a little under two weeks away from November, which is known by some as National Novel Writing Month or NaNoWriMo, which is great. I've tried it and failed. But to others, like me, November is National Podcast Post Month, or NAPOD POMO, or as I like to call it, Podvember. In years past, I've participated in NAPOD POMO, or Podvember, to varying degrees of success. I finished it once, I didn't finish it twice. And I'm going to try it again. I wasn't going to, but I had an idea. I just could not escape it. And so, coming November 1st to a podcatcher near you, you know, pretty much everywhere you find podcasts, hopefully Apple Podcasts and all that, you'll find Working Class Hero, Stories from My Life's Work, a once-a-day podcast every day in the month of November. I might share a few details with you about it next week, but just be on the lookout. As you know, this particular podcast was started as a way to keep me accountable as a writer. And I'm going to continue doing that today. So how much did I write this week? Drum roll, please. 1,500 words. Much better than last week. So I'm back on track. I'm thankful for the writing I'm doing for Podvember, which has kept me punching the keys this week. I know, it seems like a bit of a cheat, but I'm hoping to finesse that concept into a book of some sort. So I'm sort of double dipping. Work smarter, not harder. That's what they say, right? This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. A new teaser for The Mandalorian on Disney Plus dropped this week, and, well, it looks good. I love that they're continuing the tone and the feel of a space western. I love that Mando uses a rocket pack, and it just looks great. My love for Star Wars runs deep, but that's not unusual for guys my age. We grew up with it. But imagine my surprise when I discovered there's another guy with my last name that actually wrote a book about Star Wars. Yeah. Like a mainstream book. A real book you can find in bookstores. Yeah, it's true. The Star Wars book, published by DK, is available now and was written by a number of people, including Dan Zare, or Dan Z. He's the host of a podcast called Coffee with Kenobi. It's all about our favorite galaxy far, far away, and I encourage you to check it out and buy the book if you can. If you're cheap like I am and don't mind reading an e-book, it's available on Amazon for just ten ninety nine. That's like $25 cheaper than the print version, or $15 cheaper. I don't do math well, 
but it's cheaper than the print version. So 11 bucks, and it's like 520 pages. It's like an encyclopedia. It's It's got lots of fun facts about the, the Star Wars mythology, not just the movies. And I love the trivial, mundane stuff about it, and, and I can't wait to dig a little deeper into it in the weeks to come. M-O-O-N. That spells hobby. Speaking of books, I read my first Stephen King book when I was in the seventh grade. I think it was Eyes of the Dragon. Don't quote me on that. But from that moment on, I was a Stephen King fan. Uh, I might have been a little young to read those books, but I still did. I ate up every book by him that I could possibly find. From the amazing, like Salem's Lot or Cujo, to the terrible, like Tommyknockers, about half of it. You'd be hard-pressed to find a time when I was in middle and high school that I wasn't reading a Stephen King book. That's how prolific he is and how voracious my appetite was for his books. Now, like many King fans, my favorite novel of his is The Stand. But I read it for the first time when I was in high school. They did an expanded version in 1990, and I've read it multiple times since. It's an expansive story. It's full of characters that are so rich, it's really hard to pick a favorite. And I'll... I'll never forget the Sunday night that the first episode of the TV miniseries aired on ABC in 1994. It was raining and we had one of those antennas that was attached to the house like that went high in the sky. Well, it had been like blowing off of the of the side of the house and it was kind of loose. So I had to go outside in the rain at at like nine o'clock right when the show started and adjust the antenna so it worked. And and I actually uh it, I didn't see the, the first scene when Campion hits one of Bill Haskins' cast tanks and sets the end of the world off until years later on VHS. But I love that miniseries. Now, there were some casting issues. I mean, Corin Nemec as Harold Lauder didn't really work for me. He was He was okay. He's a good actor, but he didn't fit the character. Uh, but overall, it was a pretty satisfying adaptation of the book, especially given the boundaries that you have when you're on broadcast TV. And it was also the mid-90s, so effects weren't exactly up to par as they are now. But there have been rumblings for years about a new adaptation, possibly on a premium cable channel like HBO or Showtime. I didn't think it would actually happen, to be honest with you, because it seemed like They'd been there, done that, and Stephen King adaptations are either hit or miss. I mean, Under the Dome just sucked golf balls through a straw. And the It adaptation, don't get me started on that. Anyway, uh, they I, they announced it last year that they're, they're, there's a, a new adaptation coming to CBS All Access. Which is sort of like premium cable, but anyway. I've been following the news about the show sort of peripherally and... And they announced the casting, and they announced that the premiere is coming in December, so just a couple months. And finally, last week, they released a full trailer. So let's check out the audio. The world is now a blank page. Make your stand. Bring it over it. About a thing. Cause every little thing is gonna be alright. <laughs> I'm scared. Me too. Where will we go? Welcome to the Boulder Free Zone. Stu Redman. Which one of you is Larry Underwood? How do you know who I am? How do you think? Mother Abigail? All I know is that we dreamed of her and she was real. She brought us all together to keep us safe 
in these uncertain times. Himself a dark man, but mostly I just see his wolf. Mother Abigail told us that there are two sides to the world there's the good, and then there's a deep well of darkness. I'll link that in the show notes, but let's look at the good, the bad, and the ugly, at least from my perspective. The good is Alexander Skarsgård. He looks and sounds perfect as Randall Flagg. Couldn't have cast a better guy for that. Uh, He's charismatic. He's uh, from the ladies, apparently, say he's attractive. He works. It's it's perfect. Whoopi Goldberg is surprisingly good as Mother Abigail, even though I still can't see her as being old enough, but that just means we're all getting older. I mean, Mother Abigail's like 120 years old in the book, and I know Whoopi's not that old, but she's a great actor, so I think she's going to knock it out of the ballpark. And it's funny because I don't think people realize how good of an actor Whoopi Goldberg is. She hasn't really done anything serious in 25 years, so this will be cool. It'll be really cool. The band, I, I honestly can't see anything really bad about the trailer. It did its job. It got me psyched for the premiere, and I'm willing to shell up the six bucks a month just to see it. The ugly is uh, I don't buy James Marsden as Stu Rudman. He's just too pretty. Now, Gary Sinise was perfect, but Marsden does not look like how I would picture a hard scrabble Texan like Stu Rudman. That's par for the course with modern movies and TV. Everyone is too pretty covered that a couple of episodes ago but if you don't look perfect you end up being typecast you're a character actor which you know kind of has me hoping that trash can man is played by someone like uh steve buscemi or something they haven't even announced who's playing that maybe they're going to bring back uh the guy who played him matt Fruer. i think that's how you pronounce his name from the original series and i'd be fine with that he was great but we'll see overall i'm pretty excited about the show and i just hope they drop multiple episodes at once We get spoiled by Netflix, don't we? Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? I'm a big fan of Christmas. Most people are. I mean, it's Christmas. As a Christian, the holiday represents the origins of my faith. But more than that, I love everything about the holiday. The joy, the laughter, the gifts, the giving, the cookies. And of course, the TV specials. I know we're in the era of streaming everything, but during the holidays, you know, 
my family and I, we even watch a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays. But one special that we try to watch on live TV every year is A Charlie Brown Christmas. Now we've missed a few years here and there, but, you know, when I hear it's coming on, I try to watch it live. I'm not going to rehash the program. I'm sure most of you listening to this have seen it, but it is my favorite of all time. Because it has all the elements of a fun Christmas story with the Christian message of the holiday included. It's not hitting you over the head with it. It's not pushy. It's just really sweet. But sadly, for the first time in over 50 years, A Charlie Brown Christmas will not air on broadcast TV this year. Now, the reasoning makes good business sense on the surface. Apple TV Plus, yet another streaming service, has purchased the rights to all of the Peanuts specials. And that includes A Charlie Brown Christmas. They've even announced that they'll make it available for free for anyone who's not a subscriber from December 11th until December 13th. But it's the idea that there won't be a night where everyone across the country can make an appointment with their television to sit down and watch with their family the gospel being presented in a sweet, non-threatening manner. Now, that's just sad for me. I really hope that somehow Apple TV Plus can somehow work out a deal with a network just to air it once, just once, one night this year, every year. But will they do it? Most likely not. That's not how the world works anymore. I mean, it's still a bummer. So I guess that brings me to my question of the week. What's your favorite Christmas special? I know it's not even Halloween yet. I'm still knee deep in scary movies, but I'm in a Christmas kind of mood now. And it's my podcast, so I can ask whatever questions I want. Let me know your answer by sending me an email at peaceloveandrobotspod at gmail.com. That's peaceloveandrobotspod at gmail.com. Or leave me a voicemail at 585-371-8986. When I hear from you, I just might share it on the next episode. But I think that's enough for this week. If you like what you heard here and think your friends would like it too, feel free to rate, review, subscribe, and share the show. It's not too hard to find. It's on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, even iHeartRadio. Working on getting on Amazon. Listen to this podcast because you're worth it. Thanks for listening and have a great week.